Hi, welcome to another podcast edition of White Collar Crimes, the podcast where we show you the only color that truly matters in our criminal justice system is green. I'm Ryan Horn, your host. Hope you had a nice Thanksgiving and hopefully having a you know pretty good Christmas season here as that's going to be upon us here in just a couple of few weeks and gets upon us fast. Hopefully you're having a nice weather where you're at and hopefully things are going well for you. Certainly probably going better for you than our topic tonight or our focus tonight or today, depending on when you hear it, is Todd and Julie Chrisley. And I'm sure uh, many of you have seen this on the news in the last couple weeks. They recently were sentenced to prison for some uh, bank collar, uh, bank fraud cases and tax evasion cases. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, but I would say a lot of you are probably familiar with them as the reality TV stars on the uh, show they had that focused on them being as real estate tycoons. And they were, uh, as I said, recently exposed for being frauds. Now, uh, I never have watched this show, and, you know, I guess it's probably going to be pulled from the air if it hasn't been already, but, uh, you know, I'm not that big into reality TV anyway. I don't, there's not a single reality TV show I can say that I watch, because, quite frankly, I think most of it's more fake and phony than uh, fiction TV is, you know, a lot of fictionalized shows and things that are on. So, uh, you know, that being said, uh, it was a popular show. It was on for about eight or nine seasons. And they, uh, in this show, a lot of the focus was about their really lavish lifestyle they had accumulated through their uh, success in real estate and, and real estate development and uh, really flashed to show that they had a very, you know, extravagant lifestyle. And then also, I think, on the show were featured their children and uh, Todd Chrisley's mom and some other uh, family figures in on it. But uh, the whole family was focused as and shown to be a really successful uh, real estate group. And, you know, there is a lot of money that can be made in real estate. I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, plenty of people have made, uh, you know, pretty good cash, so to speak, in, in real estate. But, uh, you know, when you make money in it, uh, the tax man's going to come calling, just as they did here. And... You know, when you submit your paperwork to the banks for the loans and things to get this kind of uh, business going, you are going to need to be honest in your dealings, which uh, we will see here that uh, they were not, and that's part of what got them in trouble. Now, the show for the first half or so of it, I believe, took place in Atlanta, and then they later relocated to Nashville. And they both are from the southern U.S. Uh, where these shows took place. Uh, both had grown up in the South and at previous marriages. Uh, in fact, Julie, the wife of Todd Crisley, she was uh, the daughter of a Baptist minister even. Now, Crisley Knows Best, that's the name of the show, it focused, as I said, on their real estate empire. But it's now been revealed it was all a fraud as they committed massive bank fraud to finance their flashy lifestyle. And, uh, you know, again, I've not watched it, just seen some uh, news clips of it and, and whatnot, but uh, they did appear to very much live very, you know, flashy, uh, look at me, uh, I'm successful, and don't you want to be like me kind of uh, lifestyles. And that's the message that they probably conveyed to a lot of people. But it was all a fraud, as I said, and it was all a facade. And they had accumulated this wealth 
but they had also hidden it from the tax man. And, you know, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, there's, you know, been plenty that have been taken down by the tax man. We, uh, you know, a while back did one on Leona Helmsley, the queen of mean. She was also a real estate uh, tycoon. You know, not paying the tax man took her down. Uh, did one on Wesley Snipes and, you know, tons of other ones we've done on that show. If that was not the main crime that took them down, it's usually one of the charges. And, and most of the time, I would say most of the cases we cover on this podcast, uh, the people are convicted of more than just not paying taxes. Usually there's a uh, bank fraud, wire fraud, things like that involved. And that's the case here. It wasn't just simply paying taxes alone that got them in trouble, though that was a big part of it. You know, uh, falsifying their documents to the banks to get these loans to finance their high lifestyle, which was what they were getting it for and what they were financing, not a, uh, you know, a nice big, you know, real estate empire and trying to build a business and work on that. That is not what they were doing. And despite mixed reviews, uh, the show has been on since about 2013, 2014. So, you know, it got decent enough ratings to hang around that long. And, uh, you know, it kind of makes me wonder, though, how much of our culture contributes to the need to kind of, quote, keep up with the Joneses, which is, I'm sure, a lot of what fueled their greed and a lot of what got them to reach the level that they did of criminal activity in order to finance this lifestyle and keep up an image. And I'm sure it just wasn't alone about keeping up an image. I mean, I'm sure they were enjoying all this money and, you know, having this wealth and be able to buy these fancy homes and cars and, you know, impress their friends and and family members and buy anything they want. So I'm sure that part of it was addictive to them and, you know, many other white collar criminals. I mean, it's just unfortunate in American society. As Andrew, Andrew uh, Andre Agassi used to say in the tennis commercial there for the uh, camera there, the tennis player used to say, you know, image is everything. And in America it is. You know, it's, it's oftentimes not what you really are, but what you're perceived to be that actually matters in society. And even though they were not these wealthy, you know, business savvy real estate tycoons, they certainly gave off that image that they were. And that, uh, you know, Probably in addition to the high from getting this fast, easy money, just the few, uh, goal to keep up this image was a lot of what fueled what they were doing as well. And, you know, I didn't again see the show, but Todd Crisley supposedly was known for his flamboyance and, you know, witty comebacks. Uh, there are many, you know, from what I was reading and telling that have speculated he might possibly be homosexual. Who knows? He has denied this. But uh, it's certain, you know, as flashy and and flamboyant and pampered as he liked to be, it's not likely he's going to like prison uh, because he's not going to live a very pampered lifestyle there. And, you know, he got a sentence of 12 years, which is, you know, a decent sentence for a white-collar crime. It's not, I would say, on the high end, but it's certainly not on the low end. There's certainly many that uh, have gotten less time, and, and honestly, they've done a lot less than what the Crisleys did here, which I'll get into that in a little bit too. But, uh, you know, he's probably not going to like it too well, especially either one of them. His wife, uh, she got seven years out of this. She got a little bit less than he did. It was noted that she didn't have any criminal record. I could find nothing that he did either, but there wasn't anything reported that I could tell whether he did or didn't have a criminal record. I'm sure that might have been brought up in court, but, you know, I haven't seen the transcripts or anything like that. But the bottom line... 
They both have probably gotten used to pretty pampered, privileged lifestyles, and they're certainly not going to like prison, you know, because it's, you know, I worked in the correction system for, you know, 13, 14 years, and, you know, if you're not used to that, and if you come from a fairly, you know, privileged position or background, it can be a humiliating experience, you know, you're brought in, you know, you're strip searched, you're given a shower, and, uh, you know, you're suddenly confined to a small, not so clean space, uh, you're given not the best food in the world, you're around nothing but violent and unhinged people, you know, uh, you're, you're not counted as a human being and as an individual, you're just simply a number, you're, you know, counted several times a day, and that's all you are, is just simply a number in a system like that, and it can be very dehumanizing, uh, I know Bernard Carrick, the, you know, former commissioner during 9-11 that did a couple years in prison for, uh, I think, some white-collar crime, not paying taxes kind of case. Uh, He even talked about that. You know, he worked many years in the criminal justice system, but he was really blown away being on the other end at how dehumanizing and impersonal the correctional system was. Now, you know, I'm not sure where these two will do time. You know, it's likely as them being older and not having a bad, you know, criminal record history or anything like that it's likely they won't do time in too harsh of a place compared to maybe other folks but uh, nonetheless even minimum security prison is very brutal and very rough and it's not likely to be very kind to these two as well as I said he'll have 12 years to get used to it plus uh, three years of mandatory supervised release or what many people know as parole so even after these 12 years, and I believe he's in his early 50s, so, you know, he's going to be, you know, mid-60-ish when he gets out, roughly, in that neighborhood, and then he's going to have three years to report to a parole officer, and, you know, where they're going to check him on a lot of things, possibly make him do some counseling, do some, uh, you know, drug treatment, things like that, and, uh, you know, it doesn't end there. It's kind of like an extension of the sentence, and he's going to have that, as is his wife. She got, as I said, seven years, and she also has been given a three-year mandatory supervised release period or parole period where, you know, same kind of things will apply to her. As I said, they got a lot of these loans through fraudulent bank statements. And, uh, you know, they had help putting these together. So not a lot of headlines, not a lot was said about an accomplice. But their accountant also got three years in prison for helping falsify a lot of this information and in helping them... uh, pull off these frauds and scams and getting this money from the banks not to finance a big uh, empire, but uh, to, uh, you know, just their flashy, uh, you know, fancy lifestyle. That's what it in the end is, uh, was able to uh, finance. As I said, Todd is actually about 53, I think it was reported, and his wife, Julie, is 49. Uh, So at 12 years for Todd, he's looking at being around, you know, 65-ish when he gets out. And Julie is going to be around that age, too. She'll be about 56. Of course, she's going to get out possibly five years earlier than what uh, Todd is. But it's very much possible, unless they were to get ill and die in prison, these two are going to see the light of day again. They are going to see freedom again. And uh, as we always say, you just can't help but wonder where they will go from there. Um, You know, these two... uh, you know, did not have big time business success that I'm aware of prior to this. So I'm not sure what they will fall back on. You know, we have some of these, as we point out, we're very skilled and talented in business and finance and whatnot. And if they just would have approached that honestly, they, uh, they could have done well, but at least when they get out, they do have that level of skill where they can maybe, if they decide to do something honestly, they can still possibly make it 
when they get out in the real world because it is tough once you get released from prison trying to adapt to the you know the world around you that's kind of comical wife and i've been watching this new series sylvester stallone has on paramount called uh, the king of tulsa where he's been in prison a lot of years as he's a mobster in new york and when he gets out the family places him in tulsa to set up operations and you know it's awkward enough for him to adapt from new york to tulsa but also having been in prison 25 years he's finding you know the world has changed drastically and that can be very hard to adapt in just a short period of time i mean in this case, these two 12 and 7 years, think how much the world and the country has changed just in the last 7 to 12 years, just how drastically it has as far as technology and, you know, things like that and uh, just the overall uh, culture of this country, how much it changed and how much it will, even more so probably in the time that they're gone and they're out. So just that fast a time, it can change on them and make their adaptation when they get out very difficult, as it is for a lot of people. And, you know, again, they're going to have to contend with three years of parole once they get out to get, you know, reestablished. So who knows what they'll do? You know, we'll, you know, if we're still on doing this podcast when they're out, we uh, may do a little follow up on it and kind of see where they're at. But uh, we like to keep an eye on, uh, you know, a lot of these ones that get out and a lot of these developing cases. We've been covering the FTX case and probably do a little follow up on that. That's a big story, probably the biggest story of the year as far as white collar crime is concerned. And, you know, it's still unfolding. And then, you know, we recently did the Elizabeth Holmes uh, podcast last week, and that's one that uh, we're going to keep an eye on as she'll be reporting to prison soon herself. So uh, that's uh, what we will keep an eye out and look on these two. I haven't actually heard uh, exactly when they are supposed to report to prison, but, you know, or if they've already been taken right away, that may be the case. But we, uh, you know, we'll always keep an eye on this case as we do all of them. And if any new developments come, we will likely do a little follow up on it. Uh, as far as I know, the show has been canceled, as has their podcast. Supposedly they had a podcast as well. Um, so uh, you can just listen to this one. If you listen to that one, uh, it's not on the air now. So uh, they won't be available to do it from prison. So it gives you all the more reason to tune in to white collar crimes here. But. They borrowed over $30 million, which is a lot of money, but, you know, when we're talking white-collar crime cases, it's not an exorbitant amount, uh, exuberant amount. I mean, it's it's like uh, you have, uh, you know, the case of uh, Bernie Madoff, who scammed people out of about $60, 65000000000 billion with a B, and tons of other ones that have scammed some out of hundreds of millions or even billions. I mean, $30 million is a lot to an average Joe like myself and probably to a lot of you listening it is but you know in the real grand scheme of things I I would it's not ranking up there in the big time of uh, white collar crimes and uh, you know as far as the tax thing it's you know a lot of things I've been reading comments people have said on Facebook lately they've made good points about it Uh, what about Mr. Uh, Al Sharpton you know the Reverend Al Sharpton if you can call him that a reverend He's out still, uh, you know, walking a free man, and my understanding, he owes the IRS millions and millions of dollars as well. You know, some years back, it was to the tune of about $4.5 million, and it might be much more than that now. But, uh, you know, he's walking the streets a free man. Uh, You know, Les Moonves, we just did the show on a few weeks back, the former CBS executive, you know, he was uh, fined for some insider trading, and 
he's walking the streets a free man. He's not been charged with anything criminally, and, uh, you know, he's out doing just fine. So I'm not defending what these two did. I think they certainly belong in prison on a case like that. But, you know, I do question, as well other people have, why some are sentenced to prison for crimes like this and others are not. You know, it could be that... uh, Mr. Moonvez has got the money and the connections, as does Al Sharpton. He's got a lot of political connections and things, probably much more than these two had, and maybe that's what's kept them out of prison. Who knows? But bottom line, they haven't done any time where these two, you know, got a fairly decent sentence for a white-collar crime and, and of this magnitude and for possibly their first criminal offenses. At least we know for sure the wife has no previous criminal convictions. But they were possibly looking at more time than they got. Uh, The prosecutor wanted a lot more time, I think, than what they ended up getting. And, you know, that happens a lot in court. A lot of times I've seen that the prosecutor asks for as much as they can almost ask for. Usually sometimes they do ask for the max, and then the defense attorney asks for next to nothing or probation. And usually the judge kind of falls somewhere in the middle or in in between there. Most of the time that's what happens, and that's pretty much what happened in this case as well. But as I said, it appears they were brought down just by good old-fashioned greed. And that brings down a lot of them. Like I said, that's what fueled that, the, you know, greed as well as the lust to keep up the image and keep up with the Joneses is a lot of what brought them down. Now, they had declared bankruptcy, so I'm not sure which of this money will not be paid back to the banks or, you know, whomever that, uh, you know, they finance their scams through. I'm not sure how much will be discharged, if any. Uh, You know, we'll have to stay tuned and see what happens in that as well. But uh, it's kind of a wait-and-see thing. But, you know, the ones that suffer from this, as always, you know, their family will have to continue. As I said, they have children, and I believe uh, Todd's mom was a big focus of the show. So, you know, how they're going to go on now with this reputation over them and no longer having the money to, you know, live the life they've gotten accustomed to, it's going to be a bit of a shock for them and a major adjustment. So uh, who knows? But, uh, you know, they're often the forgotten ones in white-collar crimes, not only the victims, but also the uh, perpetrators' families that are innocent and have to live with the aftermath of this as well. Uh, As far as I know, it's not been reported that Todd's mother or any of the children were involved in any of the scamming here. At least they've not any have been charged. So we'll wait and kind of see how things play out on that. But uh, so far, none have. And they'll have to pick up the pieces and go on. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for the producers and people that work on this show, you know, they're going to have to find another job. The show will be canceled and, you know, the more people have been hurt by this and they've lost their job as well. So these white-collar crimes often hurt more than just even the victims themselves. So, as always, tune in again next week. We are going to cover the famous sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein and the issue of human trafficking as a huge white-collar crime issue going on right now. And we thank you, as always, for tuning in. Um, As always, like our Facebook page. And if you uh, have an idea for a show, please email me at ryanhornvt at gmail.com. And as always, I've always said, too, I'll provide voiceover services for your business or your audio book. Got an audio book I've narrated now called In Danger of Judgment. It's on Audible and uh, Amazon. And, uh, you know, I've also got one on We Here that uh, did over the summer. So uh, always glad to do those. Also working on one that will be released here soon and uh, actually working on another one after that. So staying busy with that, but I've always got time for your project if you want to uh, do
do that. And uh, as I always say, too, adopt your local shelter for your next pet and your next best friend. Uh, wife and I talked to the lady that runs a shelter. We've not been able to foster in a while for a variety of reasons, but we are going to get back into that game soon and hopefully be able to promote some uh, foster pups on the podcast and on our Facebook page. So be on the lookout for that. And be on the lookout for each other. Watch out for your friends and family, especially your elderly family members. They're the ones that get scammed the most. And right here in the holiday season, you know, Christmas time's a big time when a lot of this goes on. So please look out for all of your friends and family in these types of situations. And again, we thank you for tuning in each week. Uh, Please continue to do so. Let your friends know about us. Check us out each week. We have new episodes out usually every Tuesday, occasionally a bonus episode. But uh, we appreciate you tuning in each and every time. See you again next time, folks. God bless.